0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, thank you for joining us here today at the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is a program that deals with the issues of Islam. Yes, you're listening to a Christian radio broadcast. And why is it that uh, Christians are entertaining this subject of Islam? Well, we do it. So that we can uh, be prepared to stand against false teaching. The Bible tells us that we are to earnestly contend for the faith. That when error and false doctrine, false teaching and wrong shows up into our community, we are encouraged as Christians to be the salt and light. Salt purifies, light exposes And so, as Christians, we are to expose the wrong teaching, we are to mark it, mark those who preach false doctrine, and depart from them. And so, we need to be aware of these false teachings to protect the flock. And so, uh, we do this so that we might be able to uphold the truth and the purity of our gospel. And we encourage our listeners, those who stand with us, those who uh, are in agreement with us, we need your monthly support so that we can continue to do this and grow in spreading this message. Would you partner with us on a monthly basis? You can do so by giving us a call at the end of the broadcast. The number is 800-616-0082. Again, that's 800-616-0082. Uh, I want to talk about this new book that's coming out. It's written by a professor from Penn State University, Dr. Philip Jenkins, and he's the author of Jesus Wars. And he suggests that the Bible is more violent than the Quran. He says, I quote, much to my surprise, the Islamic scriptures in the Quran were actually less bloody and less violent than those in the Bible. He also says that the laws of war that were laid down in the Quran were actually reasonably humane. And then he cites passages out of the Bible, like where we find in first Samuel where God orders Israel's first king Saul to commit genocide. I mean, we, actually, we would. Um, in our day and time, we would define the order that, uh, that Saul was given would be genocide, to utterly kill men, women, children, livestock, destroy it all. That's what God intended. And actually, because Saul did not carry out God's command, as he was instructed to do so, uh, God judged and punished Saul for not obeying the Lord. And so you know, on the surface, when you read passages like this in the Old Testament, and then if you just turn to the Quran, the Quran alone and read it and look there about um, jihad and wars and and those types of things there, I would, agree on the surface, I can see why Professor Jenkins has come to that conclusion. But there is more to the story. And this program here at Fortress of Faith, in a sense, we're kind of like Paul Harvey. We're going to tell you the rest of the story. We're going to fill in the spaces that are not being mentioned here that need to be mentioned. Part of our problem is here in the West, is that we judge, we, we and, and I did this too when I started studying Islam. Uh, it's just natural. It's only natural for our Western mind to think this way because that's how we're programmed. In Christianity, we look at the Scriptures, the Bible, and everything that contains our doctrines is wrapped up in that one book. You know, we, we got the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we know that You know, you've got to address these doctrines within their context. Uh, Some of these uh, commandments are, are, are limited just to the nation of Israel, limited to certain time periods, and some instructions are universal, some instructions are timeless, and some are not. But everything that contains the doctrines of Christianity are wrapped up in that one book, what we call the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Bible. So therefore, we think we can approach Islam with the mindset and say, okay, then, if I want to understand the doctrines of Islam, all I have to do is grab the Quran, their book of Scripture, and study it, and then I can come to an understanding of their doctrines. Now, that's how a Western mind thinks, and that's where you just made your mistake. Problem is, is that you're thinking with a Western mind, and don't be too hard on yourself I made that same mistake, too, when I started out. OK, I I started out the hard way. You know, I uh, dug into the Quran and tried to make sense of it. And boy, I tell you, uh, you know, I've been a student of theology since I was, you know, a little kid, you know, for almost, um, you know, th- 30 years I've been in the ministry here and, um, you know, uh, degrees in in theology and stuff so I figured you know well hey I can read their book and understand it. it is one of the m- hardest things in the world to read it is so um, you know the, the, the narrative in it is so lacking the only narrative you really get is when you're reading Bible stories that are told and often they're wrong but anyhow our problem is that we think we can look to the Quran and understand and get a notion of their doctrines there That's just a portion of the scriptures of Islam. You've also got to go to the Sunnah. Now, the Sunnah are the words of their prophet, Muhammad. And to a Muslim, they are vitally important to understand the doctrines of Islam because you cannot interpret the Quran without the Sunnah. Now, the Sunnah is made up of two sources. You have the Hadiths and you have the Sirah. And in truth, the Sirah is pretty much just one big Hadith. But Hadith means the traditions. And these are the stories of the companions of Muhammad, allegedly. What Muhammad said, what Muhammad did, and even the early caliphs and their actions and their deeds. All of these are made up in the Sunnah, and you cannot interpret the Quran without uh, these things. The highest authority in Islam is Muhammad. You can't find a higher authority of understanding what Islam is. So if Mr. Jenkins would turn to the Hadiths, turn to the Sunnah, he would find really the depths of, of the depravity and the violence and the bloodshed of Islam. But let's stay for a moment just in the Quran because you've got to also understand context. Context is hugely important here. The context is this. In the Bible where you had this violence, like I just mentioned, it's in the Old Testament, and God is now speaking to a nation. And he's giving the nation a particular commandment to deal with the treachery of the Amalekites, of how they had treated the children of God, and to dispense justice. Now, God has given nations the authority and governments the authority to take life. But mankind, individual mankind, does not have that right. Uh, that's dispended, that has been dispensed to the government. So we're talking to a government here. The Jewish government was given instructions to make war with the Amalekites and to destroy them. And it's limited to a time period and to a particular event. It's not an instruction for all Jews or all believers of God, uh, of the Christian God, to carry out violence on unbelievers. However, when you come to the Quran. That's exactly what we have. And I'll just make my case on one chapter and one chapter alone, the last chapter, chapter 9. Now there's 114 chapters in the Quran, but chapter 9 is the last chapter. Why? Because it's laid out by size. The larger chapters are in the front, smaller chapters are in the back. So chapter 9 happens to be one of the largest ones. It's the last sermon of Muhammad, and he's dying, and he's making a... Provision, I call it the great financial solution. He now declares Christians, Moushkaroons, as polytheists, and he now tells them to make war against the people of the book. Now, they've already been fighting the Jews. That's not new for the Muslim. But now they're going after Christians. In chapter 9, verse 29, Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which has been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, uh, nor acknowledge the religion of the truth even if they be the Al-Aqatab, the people of the book, people of the book, what book? The Bible, Christians and Jews, until they pay jizya with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. So they're to fight until we pay them the the jizya tax, which is 50% of what we own and 50% of what we earn. So this was going to be the financial solution for Muslims to live off the back of Jews and Christians. And so this is a commandment to fight all unbelievers and so it's not limited in time it's not limited to just the 7th century it was for all muslims for all time this is the commandment of allah now there's another wrinkle that we must throw in here that i think mr jenkins misses in this if you're trying to suggest then, that the god of the quran and the the message of the quran from that god the god allah is more benevolent than the wicked, meanful, hateful God of the Bible, Jehovah, then again, Mr. Jenkins is completely wrong in the mindset how a Muslim views their religion. Because the mindset of a Muslim, the God of the Quran, is also the same God as the God of the Bible. So if you're making accusations of the God of the Bible that uh, gave his commandment to the Jews, in the Muslim mind, you're still talking about Allah. The same God that Muhammad called his God. You see, in the mind of a Muslim is that Allah first gave his revelation to the Jews and then to the Christians through Christ and then later to the Arabs, to the Ishmaelites through Muhammad. That's the Last Testament. And so if you're going to lay a charge against the God of the Bible in this way, you're in the mind of a Muslim, you're still accusing the same God. Does this make sense? I hope I'm, you know, making this clear. To me, I find this um, kind of amusing. Tell you the truth, that Philip Jenkins basically is trying to say the God of the Bible is not the God we want to be following. The God of the Quran. He sounds pretty groovy here. He sounds okay. The, you know, the type of warfare that the God of the Quran is laying down is reasonable. It's humane. But the God of the Bible, and. And Mr. Jenkins doesn't seem to be making a distinction in his book, The Jesus Wars, of the difference between the context of the New Testament and the context of the Old Testament. Is the Bible more violent than the Quran? If you just simply answer it from that particular uh, perspective, the Bible only and the Quran only, it might appear that the Bible seems more violent. But you look in the context, you see the justification. But you must also bring in, when you look at the Quran. you've got to bring in the Sunnah. And if you bring in the Sunnah, which we didn't have the time to do in today's broadcast, then we're really going to find a whole lot of bloodshed and violence and wickedness. The two really cannot be compared. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Hope you'll be back again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.